guys, get ready for a Sunday without the Browns with kickoff with Boomer Esiason and Mike Valeni as they preview week five, Friday, on the free Odyssey app presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it and Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. Listen from 7 to 8 on Friday night on 92.3 The Fan before overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. All right. Let's go out to our Browns insider. His name is Daryl Ryder. He's brought to you by Scheibman Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, how are we doing today? I'm on vacation. You're on, you're on vacation? It's the bye week. It's, okay. Uh, well, I mean, today you had to work, though. This is not vacation for you. Oh, no, no. This is vacation for me. I, my vacation has already started. Oh, it did start. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I hope I didn't break up any vacation festivities. You did. Absolutely, you did. What did I break up with our weekly 9 o'clock hit? Okay. <laughs> Nothing. I'm Nothing. just giving okay. you a hard time. Okay. I was like, I had you on my, I put you in my calendar. I started using my calendar, and I put Daryl 9 o'clock Wednesday on my calendar as uh, if I'm going to miss it somehow. You would, I, you know what? You would never miss it. No. It's my highlight outside of our Tuesday at 920 weekly hit that we do. <laughs> you said it with a straight face. I can't, I can't decide which is my favorite weekly hit with Daryl Ryder. I don't know. I don't know. Is it the Tuesday? Is it the Wednesday? What a busy day for you, though, Daryl. My goodness. This was uh, – I, I don't know what to make of what Andrew Barry said because he said a lot. So let's start with Deshaun Watson. What I was messing around with last segment and really last hour was the idea that uh, is it possible this injury is more serious than the Browns or anyone is letting on because uh, how are we even supposed to know what this injury is if we haven't been told any bit of truth in any sort of way across this entire thing? <laughs> Well, we've been told some truths. I from a million different directions. I don't know. I don't know which I truths know. to believe and who to believe, and and they can't keep anything that they, that they say straight. And I just I don't know. And I, I got I got fans. You know, they they tweet in and they say, well, "What do you mean he's going to be fine for the the Forty ers game?" And I say, "How do I know that? How do I know that? How how can I possibly know that uh, when the man on according to Nathan on Sunday couldn't throw the football more than ten yards? It seems pretty problematic to me. And me, I also said that. You did too? Then exactly right. Now, what did Andrew Barry, when he said that Deshaun Watson couldn't lift his arm over his shoulder? I'm like, so wait, so we spent the whole week where he couldn't lift his arm over the shoulder, and then on Sunday he said what you said, what Nathan said, what everyone said, I guess, uh, with, with the whole uh, couldn't throw the football 10 yards. Daryl, that doesn't sound good to beat on the number one team in, in the NFL a week and a half from now. I'm uh, I'm sorry. Are you looking for logic? Yeah, I guess it went out the window. Uh, that's out the uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Exit <laughs> I mean, stage left for logic. Yeah. Um, well, uh, to me, the circle of trust was broken by Deshaun Watson because he clearly was not honest enough with the team about his capabilities because he was telling everybody that he was going to play, and they took him at his word. And then Sunday came, and he still couldn't do anything, and so he couldn't play. So the next time he's hurt, I, I don't know how the Browns can believe him. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yes. I, I don't know how the Browns can take him at his word. So that, to me, is the bigger issue because they're in the Deshaun Watson business now, and they got three and three-quarters years left to this at least, right? And, yeah. you know, so – I, I'm not saying that he wasn't truthful or honest, but I'm kind of putting, you know, I'm connecting the dots here. They were expecting him to play Sunday morning, and then he couldn't do it. 
and that's fine. But you got to give them a heads up that the, the possibility exists or plant the seed, do something so that they could make other arrangements and plans because it's clear Kevin Stefanski may know other arrangements or plans. He was completely counting on Deshaun Watson to play. Uh, although I, I don't know if a guy's got a bum shoulder, why you'd call seven pass plays in the first 10 of the makes, game, makes but no that's sense. a different discussion. No, it makes, it makes no sense how you can look and see what he did on Friday or what he didn't do on Friday. And how you, he couldn't even put his arm over his shoulder throughout the entire week and then not even think of another game plan. And that's I'm the sorry. Are you part. expecting the Browns to make sense? I, I just. Are you are you new here? I it just it's mind boggling that they, I know I know they've been coming up with new reasons Dude, to let us down for thirty listen, years. I've been seeing this goodness. for twenty five years. Okay, so no, like nothing surprises me. Uh, same song, different verse, my man. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. It's fair. I just I understand where fans would look at me today and call in and say, you know, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like this is it. I I can't mess with this regime if I can. I can't take anything they say seriously because because how do they how do they operate that with this whole entire week based off of there? I hate to I hate to sound this way. Me and you, we would have figured that out. We would. I know we would have figured that out. Like that is not hard to go through that process. And they just didn't just didn't even try. It's so bothersome to me. Well, you know my golden rule. If it's something that I know or I can figure out, then it's absolutely 100% something you should know and figure out. <laughs> that's a good rule. That's, that's yes. I mean, I, I keep the bar low. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm setting unattainable goals and expectations over here, you know? But, yeah. No, I mean, th- that's my chief concern going forward. Like, uh, how do you trust Deshaun Watson's word going forward after this? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I mean, Deshaun was telling everyone, including Mary Kay Cabot, he was going to play. And then he, he couldn't do it. And again, the, the criticism has nothing to do with him being hurt because that happens. The criticism is that uh, either the organization wasn't paying attention to how hurt he was or they didn't hear him express to them how hurt he was. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it kind of have to be fair about it. And, and you know, but like, yeah, like it should have never happened. Any other takeaways outside of Deshaun Watson uh, that you thought was interesting from Andrew Barry today? No, uh, he's happy with just about everything. Yeah, really happy with Jedrick Wills. Which I just don't get. Well, I mean, obviously he made the bet he's got a Y in it. I, I think where he's got some true egg on his face is not necessarily that it was a first-round pick and he stuck with his guys. It's when you, you restructure his deal the way that he did this offseason where you can't even get out of it for the next two years if you wanted to. And I feel like that's that's the real, like, oh, I screwed up here and I got to make sure that I, I stay with this one. But, like, he, he just it, he acts like we're idiots in that regard. It's bothersome. Well, I, I don't know if he acts like we're idiots, but. Um, I, I would say that Jedrick Wills was not the player to extend the cap liabilities of. Like, you want to get him off your books as quickly as possible because he's just not good. Um, or at least he's not good consistently enough to be worthy of what he's going to make in the fifth year of his contract. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I just – Andrew and I, we respectfully disagree on the evaluation of Jedrick Wills' talent and ability. Honestly, when this thing's all said and done, and I know we've talked before, and I, we've both advocated that if if Stefanski's gone after this year or whatever, we both thought, and I just remember you saying it, you can tell me if you disagree with that now, that Andrew Berry had done enough to keep his job. But uh, honestly, restructuring, 
uh, Jedrick Wills and, and the belief he's gotten him, and then the the deal he did with uh, with Jack Conklin as well that completely blew up in his face. I, I don't know. The more and more I get to see, I think he makes some really good offseason deals. I really do. I think he makes the right additions. I think he is smart, but I just he's just so stubborn with some of these things. And honestly, the, between Conklin and, and Jedrick Wills, it's that's that's two big misses right there. Well, you, you, Wills is the miss. Conklin, you, you can't. I mean, I, I'm not going to fault Andrew Berry there. You, you can't. Uh, it wasn't good pre- last year, though. He wasn't. Yeah, good but last yeah, year. but you can't predict that the guy's going to get hurt and be lost for he's, the season. He's over 30, and he wasn't good last year. Like it wasn't that hard to predict. Well, and the, the but you also have to look at the tackle market that's out there. It was a lot of money like, they gave him. I'm just it saying. A, it was a lot of money they gave him. I mean, do, do you have a player that you would have preferred them go out and sign instead of uh, keeping Jack Conklin? I, I just, I, I'm just preventing, presenting the other side of the argument here. Like, uh, you know, it, it's it's more than. I mean, they signed him in December, okay, um, to that extension, but you know, um, they did bring Dewan Jones. That's a hit, uh, you know, um, but. Jed Wills is a pretty big mess. That that that's a big mess, and uh, I, I feel like he's being crammed down our throats right now. Like he is a viable long term left tackle, and he he there's just no way that guy can be. Do you I'm, con- I'm sorry. do you have concerns about the offensive line? Like I think it might be the worst I've seen it in the previous half decade, Daryl. Like right now, like currently right now, because the offensive line has been really really solid and has been such a good part of this team. In the well, I just call it the Kevin Stefanski era. Let's not even go back to like the beginning part of Baker Mayfield or anything like that. Well, just in the Kevin Stefanski era, he's always had a couple things that that have worked to his credit. I believe this to be true. He's always had a really good offensive line, and he's always had a really good run game. And one of the things I'm worried about is that for the first time now, it appears he doesn't have a really good run game because Nick Chubb is injured, and he doesn't have a really good offensive line, and that that's really problematic. It's not great. I mean, um. I think that blocking for Deshaun changes things for the guys up front. Um, maybe not everybody on the offensive line is perfectly suited for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Um, but at the same time, you know, they lost, they lost one and replaced him with, uh, a quality replacement. Jed is just a, a, a turnstile on the left side for 25% of the game. Um, you know, Betonio's, I think, playing really, really well. I think Wyatt Teller's still playing really well. well. They got an, you know, you know, we'll see what happens with Ethan Posick and the knee injury, but Nick Harris played well last year. You put him in there. I mean, you know how hard it is to maintain the same offensive line for as long as the Browns have had and to have them play at the level that the Browns have had? It's not easy to do. Bill Callahan's one of the best in the business. So um, I, I, I'm i not going to be jumping all over the offensive line like you are. I, I recognize the weakness on the left side of it, but um, I, I think that the quarterback play needs to be better. I, I, I think that if that is better um, – the offensive line looks better. You know what I'm saying? Um, they looked awful last week because, well, DTR was running around like a chicken with his head cut off for half the game. 
Yeah, and obviously that didn't help. And and I, I know a lot of people just want to stick to like you know PFF grades or something like that. And that's not that's not the best indicator of a lot of things. And I people will be like, oh, but the Browns don't have a a single player graded inside the top twenty. I know it's not great. We all get it's not great. I just I I feel like that was an ace that Kevin Stefanski continually had up his sleeve between those two things. And in the past couple of weeks, we've just watched it kind of dissipate in, a, in an interesting way. Uh, Daryl, we talked a little bit about Jonathan Taylor yesterday. We've talked about uh, uh, different additions that they may add on and what they could potentially do with the trade deadline. I know. You think he's going to bring in all these guys and it ain't happening, but go no, ahead. No, that's the question i got to ask you. I really – I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I don't think he's doing squat at the deadline. So <laughs> so would that suggest the, Brown, the Browns maybe aren't all as all in as maybe I, I want them Takes to be? Takes two to tango. And do you really want them going three straight years without a first or second round draft pick? Listen, they they don't need to have a first round draft pick until my my seven month old daughter turns eighteen. For all I'm, I care, I'm just, saying, I, I'm just do, trying do to you really. Do you really want them going three straight years without uh, a pick in the top two rounds? I think you want to keep your job, though, don't you? Like if I'm Andrew Barry and I'm Kevin Stefanski, if I'm Stefanski in particular, I'm I'm exhausting everything I have to make sure that I keep my job. And if I make a mess. Listen, Wes Snead gets to clean up the mess that he made, and he'll do it, and he'll be able to do it because he won a Super Bowl. Like, I mean, it's it just sometimes that's the price of doing business. You got to extend this thing as long as you can, and and it might it might end up where we, the Browns fans, are the ones that pay the price at the end of it all. But sometimes you really got to push the chips in the middle of the table if you just want to keep your job. Well, they they've been pushing the chi- they pushed the chips to the middle of the table the day they drafted or traded for Deshaun Watson. Well, then what would stop them from going further? Uh, Money. uh, Can't let money be the issue. Finding somebody else to do a trade that's equitable for you. Like, Andrew Barry just can't be reckless and emotional and be like, yeah, we we absolutely have to get a running back because our our running game has vanished against two two of the better run defenses in the league. So we got to panic and and give up uh, valuable future draft capital to, to patch that hole. With an, with an expensive player who's looking, who's not a long-term solution, who's looking for big money, et cetera. It's like, I, I just, it, it sounds good. Go trade for Jonathan Taylor. And th- it, to me, that's an emotional prisoner of the moment type of reaction. Jerome Ford had a 26-yard run on the first play of the game. They get called back because of a holding penalty. Okay? So, I mean, he has shown the ability, and I will agree with Andrew Barry, in what he said today, he has shown the ability to make big plays in the run game. Jerome Ford has. Um, is he Nick Chubb? No, there is no Nick Chubb. As Barry said, Nick Chubb's a unicorn. All right, but I, I just I, th- I think it's premature to just say or accept that the running game doesn't exist anymore. Because I I don't think that's the case. I think they went up against two pretty good defensive fronts. And they got another one coming against San Francisco, so I'm expecting it to be another long afternoon trying to run the football. Yeah, but like I, I do think I, I do agree with Barry. I, I think Jerome Ford's a young player that's got some talent, that's got some big play ability, and sometimes you just got to. To me, I think you just got to keep feeding the beast until something breaks, right? I mean, you you did it with Nick Chubb, you did it with Kareem Hunt in years past. I'm not advocating for Kareem Hunt to have that done now. Because I think I, I don't know necessarily that the Kareem's the same player, but like I, I just think that there's a little bit of overreaction going on right now. And quite frankly, I don't think they ran the ball enough Sunday against Baltimore. They should have come out running the ball. Then, if you fall behind by those two scores and you have to start throwing it, then that then that's what you have to do. But they didn't do that. 
They came out throwing the ball. Again, seven of the first ten plays were pass plays. Yeah, we also had 11 yards total rushing at the half. They weren't able to – when they ran the ball, they weren't able to move the ball. Well, uh, there was also a minus 20-yard run there by Elijah Moore that totally just, you know, detonated the run stats. Remember – uh, last week, a lot, uh, the week before, I should say, against Tennessee. All right, so instead of 12 carries for 11 well, yards, it'd be 12 well, can, carries can for 31. Can I finish my thought? Can I finish my thought sure, here for a second? Sure, yeah, 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 go ahead. Uh, Elijah Moore got penalized because he did the smart thing and fell on Deshaun Watson's 16-yard backyard pass, and he got charged with a 16-yard loss. So I, I'm not trying to go uh, Butch Davis on you and, hey, you take away those, and the right, but I, I do think that, you kind of have to look at what's actually happened, too. There have been some plays that have skewed the running stats. So I think that they're going to be okay running the ball. It's just Kevin Stefanski's got to run the ball. I mean, they weren't able to do either one, if we're being honest about it, though. They weren't able to pass just the same as they weren't able to run. That was just uh, – I don't think we can look at that game and, and use much of, much of what happened and, and push that one moving forward. Daryl, i got to let you go. I appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy the vacation. Enjoy the couple days off. Thank you, man. I am. I love the fact that I will not have to speak to you until next Tuesday. Now. After that I'm interview, just gonna, I'm just going to call you now. After that grilling that I just got through the grilling. cheese grater, that was a grilling. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, I'm going to call you intentionally now. Uh, yeah, but you think I'm sure. actually going to answer your call? That's your mistake. That's true. Straight to voicemail where I belong, <laughs> where I constantly belong in life. Enjoy the weekend, buddy. Thank you, Daryl. You too, Daryl Ryder. Brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. All right, come on back. Let's talk about that are the Browns all in this season is Daryl right should they have ran the ball a little bit more earlier on in that game we'll do it all next it's overtime with Jonathan Beatle here with you on the fan All righty, back out of here on the fan it is overtime with Jonathan Beatle we got the fan focus coming up at 940 we also got Andrew Barry on Afternoon Drive with Nick and Dustin. That's going to come your way at 10 o'clock. I don't know. Do you disagree with myself or do you agree with Daryl there? I think it's interesting because, well, first off, anytime you can embrace debate, that's always fun radio. But I also, I genuinely do disagree with the sentiment. I understand where Daryl's coming at. But I think the difference in opinion there is it's got to be based off of a couple different factors. Daryl wants to get on him for, as he said, they ran seven out of the first, or they threw seven out of the first ten plays. All right, I mean, that's okay. It, fine, I'm not refuting that side of things. I, I guess the part I would question is, what part of the run game was working so well that you wanted to go back to that well? I know. He fell into the thing that I absolutely hate when people do, and I'm guilty of it myself. If you take away the 20 yards from uh, from the this, this stupid play with Elijah Moore, then all of a sudden the stats look a little bit better. But they really truly don't. The Browns had 11 total yards rushing on 12 carries at the half. They were not able to run the football at all. And I know, yes, the 20 yards is helped out by Elijah Moore in that negative 20-yard play. So let's, fine, let's give them 20 yards. Let's give them 20 yards. And, and take away the average of less than one yard per carry and move it up from 12 carries for 31 yards. So you are averaging just over two and a half yards per carry. That's not good. In no world is that good. And if I'm being truthful about it, Jerome Ford had one big play, and I'm going to do the thing that, that I just said I hate when people do, where they, they take away plays. Jerome Ford had one massive play in the Pittsburgh game, and outside of that, 
has not particularly performed. He was he had 15 carries in week one. People forget that. Nick Chubb had 17 carries. Jerome Ford had 15 carries in week one. Top of the dome. 15 carries. Wasn't any good. He wasn't good. So I don't know what they wanted him to do. If you wanted to go back to the uh, to the run game, that's fine. But you weren't winning with the run game. You didn't win with the pass game either. That's where I say, I mean, really, he was just, Kevin Zafanski just didn't have many options. He didn't have many good options. Let's put it that way. You could either pass the ball, where Dorian Thompson-Robinson averaged three and a half yards per pass, which is so criminally low. And I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. I apologize for that. I, it just understand this. The passing game was awful. The running game was awful. It kind of felt like, which was I going to choose? You are Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, or are you Joe Pesci in Casino? Which death do you want? Neither one of them is good. That was basically the options for Kevin Stefanski. One might be a little worse than the other, but ultimately, eh, not anything there. And so I, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on when we talk about Jonathan Taylor and we try to get into whether or not this team needs a boost. First off, I don't care about the money side of things. I don't care that they're spending way more money than anyone else on the offensive side of the ball. I truthfully don't. It's not my money. Why do I care? Jimmy Haslam is willing to spend it. It's one of the advantages we have within this ownership group. He's willing to spend it. I'm willing to go ahead and use it. But the idea that Andrew Barry and company should not be turning over every every leaf possible in order to make sure that they still have their jobs at the end of this season is I'm flabbergasted. I, I don't know how anybody else could look at it any different way. As Browns fans, maybe you want to panic at the fact that he legitimately might sell off every draft pick until my seven-month-old daughter turns 18. You might get worried about that for sure because we're left foot in the bill. It's like the Saints. Everyone always talks about the Saints. Oh, they do a great job. They're kicking the can down the road. They're kicking the can down the road. At some point, that bill does come due. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But you know how you can swallow having that bill come due where you just suck for a given season? Win a lot of games before then, and then nobody cares about the fact that you have to do one year where you reset the books and you absolutely suck. It's like, all right, that was the cost of doing business. If I'm Andrew Barry, I'm turning over every, every leaf I possibly can, turning over every stone I possibly can, and I'm making sure that I do everything in my power to make sure that I have a job next year and Kevin Stefanski has a job next year, and if that means that I am screwed royally for the remaining time that I am a GM in Cleveland, guess what? At least I'm not a, at least I'm not a fired GM after one year. At least I did something enough to go ahead and, and get the, the team in a spot where we could win enough games so I could keep my job. I don't know. I just I, Maybe I look at this a different way. I, I'm in the same type of job that Andrew Barry is in, believe it or not. I am in a performance-based job. I have to get ratings. I have, to, I, I have a performance-based job. If I don't do my job, I don't have a job. That's how this works, right? Some people, they show up, it's like, well, I can work a 9-to-5. doesn't really if I perform or not. They can't fire me. It is what it is. I can get fired for not performing at my job, okay? Andrew Barry can get fired for not performing at his job. That's how that works. If I thought that I was not performing at a high enough rate and they were going to get rid of me, this is a dream job. It's the only job I've ever wanted. It's the only thing I've, I mean, really, this is it. I'm loving this, right? If I think this is going to get ripped away from me, you know what the stops I'm pulling out in order to make sure that doesn't happen? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm calling up every favor I've ever had. 
I'm calling up everybody and anybody. I'm making sure I got the best of everything. I am working my butt off to make sure that I can make this thing work. Like that's that's my mentality on it. And, and if if it costs me something that for the next three or four years maybe it ain't as great, okay, fine. But I do what I got to do in order to make sure I get my next contract. Same thing with Andrew Barry. He's got to do everything he can to make sure he gets the next contract. And if it blows up in his face and he's not able to win and he does get fired and he leaves us with no draft picks and he leaves us in a financial mess, that's not really his problem. It's our problem, but it's not really his problem. The guy that makes the decisions won't have to live with that mess. The guy that makes those decisions will get to run away like a thief in the night, scot-free. And that's, I think, the part that a lot of people miss in this conversation. It is not what you or I would do. Because we'd have the best interest of the Browns. Andrew Barry doesn't operate in the best long-term interest of the Browns. He operates in the best interest of himself, which is the same thing we all do at our jobs anyway, right? I can't yell at him about it. It's what I would do if I was in his position as well. And if he gets fired, then he'll start a podcast or go to a different team. And instead of wearing Browns colors, he'll wear Eagles colors, he'll wear Colts colors, and he'll switch his allegiance, and he'll leave us with the mess. That's what happens. That's how this works. That's why Les Need didn't care. If Les Need didn't win the Super Bowl, you know what would have happened to Les Need? He would have went to sleep easy knowing that he went for it. And they would, he'd be a fan of whatever team he works for now. That wouldn't have been the, the Rams. And his life would have moved on. And Rams fans would have been left to pick up the pieces. But he won a Super Bowl and he gets to figure it out. Jack and Lorraine up next. Hello, Jack. How you doing tonight? Thanks for taking my call. What's up, Jack? From an old school perspective, the, the benefit of running the ball more than passing the ball this past week would have been a little bit more control of the clock, a little bit more opportunity to rest your defensive guys. You weren't resting when you were going three and out, though, Jack. That was the problem. When they ran the ball, they were going three and out, and the defense had to go right back out there, and the defense was being ran off the field. When you're, when you're not moving, when you're averaging one yard a carry, Jack, you're not keeping the defense off the field. You are just giving up the ball after three, after three downs and ending it. There was no big plays. They didn't have a single big play in the first uh, in the first half of that game. They averaged 12, 12 yards on eleven carries. Or excuse me, I had that backwards. Twelve carries, eleven yards. Like you're not you're not getting for they didn't get a first down off the run game. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but they weren't doing well with the passing game either. To agree with what you're saying, and they were going three and out in the passing game too. But when you throw two incomplete passes, you're stopping the clock each time you throw that incomplete pass. Correct. So we're what extending our death sentence? Is that what we're doing here? We're trying. We're 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 quabbling over the over what 120 seconds. Well, I'm not quabbling with you about anything. I'm just saying that. I'm sorry, Jack. I got a little testy on you. I apologize. I feel I feel in a very grumpy mood today. Andrew Barry got me in a very bad mood today. I, I don't mean to take it out on you, Jack. I'm sorry. I understand. We we're both passionate about what we love, and I love that about you. That's why I listen to your show. Well, thank you, Jack. Um, but the, the whole idea here is, I think the best um, offense we could have run was keeping their offense off the field. So the longer we held the ball, even was for another 120 seconds for each drive, that's another 120 seconds that their offense wasn't on the field to score on us. I hear you. And also, I do subscribe in some circumstances, and this week was one of them, um, to the old philosophy of, there's only three things that can happen when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. So there was really nothing we could do putting a rookie in this week against 
such a good defense. Again, such a well-coached team. We were bound to lose. I think that's the yeah. I I I think that's the result we both got to get to. Is that it was just it was going to be no matter which choice we chose, it was going to be a a bad result for us because the run game wasn't doing anything, the pass game wasn't doing anything. Right. I just like the idea that um, we can talk about this and and be upset about it, but understand in the long run, we're going to lose this game. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, Jack. You're right. All right. Thank you, Jack. I do appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. Now he's right. I mean, it's, he's right. That's it's funny. We're, we're, it's not even splitting hairs. It's a, I love the football side of it. I do love the football side of it. It's just, I, I don't believe, I, I think the difference Daryl was making is that he believed the dam would have broke and maybe he's right. Maybe he is right. Maybe you just feed Jerome Ford enough in the past. You fit. If you fed Kareem Hunt enough, he was going to eventually make things out of, he was going to make something out of nothing. You just had to get him enough carries. And maybe that's the route that the, the run game would have eventually gotten to. I just the, this offensive line right now is not particularly good, and I just don't know that that would have happened. But maybe it would have been better than just throwing the ball with DTR, who was not able to move it effectively in the slightest bit. All right. I'm sorry, guys. You guys know I get passionate about these things. You guys know I just because I care. I just I do feel like I've been a little grumpy all day today, and I don't know if it's because of Andrew Barry. I don't know if it's I'm just mad at the whole situation with Deshaun Watson and how I felt like I was lied to, how I felt like I was at least misled or led astray, and I just, just a lot that stays with me there. Let's get back on track here. Fan Focus coming your way next. Andrew Barry was on with Nick and Dustin. We'll have that for you guys at 10 o'clock. Andrew Barry got a little testy in that one himself. You'll hear it. That and more to come. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on The Fan. All right, I left some meat on the bone. We're going to do the Jonathan Taylor. Then we're going to let's do the Jonathan Taylor discussion. Fan focus will come your way later on in the program. Also, it's off the beaten path. We also have Andrew Barry with Nick and Dustin on in about 15 minutes. I need to make it clear. I genuinely don't think this is going to happen. So this isn't me saying the Browns will do it. I just see how it makes sense. And I know they've spent a lot of money. It's not my money. I don't care. And we already don't have draft picks. I, all of this. Rams fans don't have their Botox in the bunch, though, worrying about less need. They, they're, they're sipping beers and playing back the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl on loop. Let's keep baking until we get cake. I, I want to get the right combo. And I feel like we are very close to that. Very close to that. We're on the one-yard line of locking this whole thing down. What's funny is I initially had set out today to not necessarily do a Jonathan Taylor discussion, but more talk about whether or not you'd want Jonathan Taylor or Devontae Adams. Honestly. But the more and more we talked about the run game and the more and more we talked about Jerome Ford and we got Daryl in the mix as well, I just it's not really anything on Jerome Ford. It's just we don't have a good offensive line right now, and you're trying to replace Nick Chubb. I know he's not replaceable, but Jonathan Taylor is about as close as you can get to that. And I know it's going to seem like more of a pipe dream. I'm not predicting it's going to happen, okay? I'm not predicting it's going to happen. I just, I worry about a couple things. It's a very important point, so I want you guys to hear this, okay? Stefanski has only ever had a combination of Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb as his running backs. Can Stefanski do the job without a top-tier running back? Can he do the job without a top-tier offensive line? Dalvin Cook, when Stefanski was the OC, had 13 touchdowns, 1,100 yards on the ground. He had an A-plus play every single 
time he's ever been asked to call a play in the NFL. He had an A-plus play sitting there, whether it was Nick Chubb or Delvin Cook. Jonathan Taylor is an A-plus play. It's not a B-plus play. He's not a C-plus play. That is an A-plus play anytime you give that man the, uh, the ball. he If you go back and look at his college numbers, how look at his NFL numbers, but go back and look at his college numbers, he'd be a household name if he had played 25 years ago. In three years, he had, what, two 2,000-yard seasons? I mean, he was unreal. He was absolutely unreal. I think he, I think when it was all said and done, it was like over 6,000 total yards. He was unreal. So good. But college football is broke, and they don't value the run game like they used to in the Heisman voting. So he wasn't a household name at Wisconsin, even though he's one of the best running backs the game has seen in the previous two decades. But that's neither here nor there. He is very, very, very talented. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I know I sound like I'm the guy that loves to make trades like he's drunk at 2 in the morning and determined to win a Madden title. But you can't tell me that the Browns go all in with the Deshaun Watson move and then leave some meat on the bone here themselves. You can't tell me it. It's not how it works. If you're truly going all in, you continue to put the pedal to the metal and you continue to make these type of deals. Devontae Adams, Jonathan Taylor, whatever it ends up being, you got to make some of these type of moves, though. you got to find a way to get this type of stuff done. And with Jonathan Taylor in particular, what you're telling yourself is we are going to try to replicate to the very best that we can the initial plan that we set forth this season with, where Deshaun Watson would have a bailout in a great historical running team that the Browns are. We'd have a bailout in the run game. And, oh, by the way, doesn't hurt Deshaun Watson when they have to stack eight men in the box anyway. They focus on the run game. It opens things up for the passing game. And then also you can run to set up the pass as well. And there's all sorts of things that complementary football is based on when you have a good, solid run game that can help out the pass. What we've seen with Jerome Ford, what we saw last week, you can't have halves like they did, where you have 12 carries for 11 yards in the first half of the game. You can't have halves like that. Because it completely nukes any sort of idea that you're a threat to run the football. They're not going to put anyone in the box. They're not going to worry about stopping the run. They're going to let you try to run on them because they don't believe that you can. Especially with our offensive line playing the way that they have. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Todd up next. Hello, Todd. Nope, I'm not with you tonight, Jonathan. I nobody, am not ever, with you. nobody ever is when I say anything bad about the run game. But it's just true. Well... Simmer down a little bit, and let's just think here. You're right. Okay. right. Got to calm myself down. I'm very Derek testy Henry today. Is... I'm very Derek testy Henry... today. Huh? I said I'm very testy today. With good reason. <laughs> With good reason. Thank you. Thank you for that. Derrick Henry is a bad dude. The Browns defense neutralized him against the Titans. That happened. The Indianapolis Colts took the Baltimore Ravens to overtime and beat them. Jonathan Taylor wasn't on the field. This is not a running back issue, man. They need better blockers. That's what they need so that folks got more time to air it out if they're going to be throwing it at all. Jerome Ford's serviceable. Kareem Hunt doesn't look like he missed a beat to me so far. I didn't watch the whole game. I was halfway on radio. So mm-hmm. I, you can't appreciate it as much if you watch it. If one half you're actually watching, another half you're just listening to. And they have a issue here with – being it not being a scoring defense, although although it is not always considered the job of the defense to score, it is the job of the defense to score. Everybody that could get their hands on that ball is supposed to go try and score, and that is part of their responsibility. So that's where the real problem is. If you ask me, they need a scoring defense, and they need to get more aggressive 
on the on the back end of that se- on the front end of that secondary man because those corners aren't playing as well. That's not true. Twenty three is playing tough ball. Yeah, MJ Emerson's always awesome. Yeah, he's playing tough ball, but the other two, not so much, man. Not so much. And how much is Taylor gonna cost anyway, Jonathan? Even if even if they said let's try and get him for the year, how much is that dude gonna cost? He's a lot, and you got to give him a new deal when you do it. An extended deal. Yep, 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 yep. He's gonna be expensive, and that's uh-huh. this, these are the things you got to weigh, right? And that's why, again, it's not like I'm sold necessarily in it being Jonathan Taylor, but I love the idea of you giving yourself someone, either either him or Devontae Adams, somebody that tells me that this team is trying to upgrade. And I know everyone's like, there's no need for upgrades. we got to go do that. But, like, you lose Conklin, you lose Chubb. Like, there's just a lot of injuries here. They need better blockers, Jonathan. Them I'm with sacks, you. Them, I'm sacks with you. Were, them sacks were the biggest problem to me. On the offensive side of the ball, those 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 sacks were the biggest problem right there. I'm with you, Todd. I mean, let's and, and thank you, man. I appreciate you as always. I'm with you. Like, here's the thing: I bring up PFF, and it's like I'm bringing up the boogeyman. I know people. Oh, gee, John, bringing up PFF? How dare you? And sometimes when I bring up PFF, I might as well be speaking Portuguese to you guys. So I don't like to do that as often as I can. I like to avoid bringing up PFF and getting in the weeds. But as I mentioned to Daryl. Browns don't have a single player graded inside the top 20 on the offensive line. Jedrick Wills is 125th. DeWan Jones is 102nd. And these are guys with at least 200 snaps played. There's 134 total, okay? which is, That means there's nine people worse in this league than Jedrick Wills, which tells me there might be a fly in this soup to begin with anyway. But none of these guys are in the top 20. And Posick was our best, and Posick's now day-to-day. Offensive line is not getting the job done. Bone was right when he brought it up yesterday. Offensive line is not getting the job done. And it's making guys like Jerome Ford maybe seem a little bit worse off than they are. That's all we're getting out of here, guys. All right. Leave that there. We come on back. Great interview for you guys. I've been testy all day. Okay? Little testy. There's a lot to be testy about, apparently, and I agree with that. Uh, Andrew Barry, a little testy as well. He joined Nick and Dustin. We'll have it for you next. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan.